0: Hello. Before we begin, I wish to remind you that I speak in this podcast not to become embroiled in politics or to take the side of one group or another. My opinion, at least here in political and social matters, is that of silence, of quiet of thinking and how that can be applied to situations that engender anger and violence. I say the facts and how I interpret them as a pursuer of silence, not as a liberal or a conservative an American or a member of any specific nation. This is important for today's issue. In fact, it is important for every day Try to be an explorer of silence for one day, one hour in your lifetime, instead of someone categorized into any of the political and social groups we have drawn for ourselves. But I would have you remember this especially as I speak this episode. For today, we speak about guns. Every time I look at the news, I see some headline about firearms designed to shock and awe or when I'm on the road, I see billboards filled with rhetoric about both sides of the case. Concealed carry classes offered here. Maybe this is crazy, but I think the right to own a gun is trumped by the right not to be shot by one. If guns are outlawed, only outlaws will have guns. But conflict is everywhere. Yet it is not the only piece of conflict that arises from firearms and their possession or lack thereof. There are shootings, every day it seems like, of civilians by police and of police by civilians. There is such an amount of distrust from each to the other and such an amount of blood shed. It's clear that in many of these instances people act before they think. And speak with the shot of a gun before delving into silence. Though before we embark too far on our journey of silence today, we must be aware of what precisely we speak of. To know the nature of an idea, object, or action is one of the most important bits of information anyone can possess. Too many times people charge blindly into a topic with fully formed opinions before even realizing the facts of what they step into. This need for the perspective of at least one individual, whatever perspective they might write from, is why I have chosen a revolver by Carl Sandburg for today's piece of art. Here is a revolver. It has an amazing language all its own. It delivers unmistakable ultimatums. It is the last word. A simple, little human forefinger can tell a terrible story with it. Hunger, fear, revenge, robbery hide behind it. It is the claw of the jungle made quick and powerful. It is the club of the savage turned to magnificent precision. It is more rapid than any judge or court of law. It is less subtle and treacherous than any one lawyer or ten. When it is spoken... The case cannot be appealed to the Supreme Court, nor can any mandamus, nor any injunction, nor any stay of execution come in and interfere with the original purpose. And nothing in human philosophy persists more strangely than the old belief that God is always on the side of those who have the most revolvers. A friend had recently told me that in England, and in many other countries, the police are not armed at all, or at least to the great extent that officers are in America. I had to wonder if this was an attempt at a tale solution. Even if the officers don't have the means to attack, or defend for that matter, with guns, that only resolves one side of the equation. Violence can still be brought to them by the myriad criminals roaming the streets. And so I looked. And so I listened. And so I learned. The British police force has always had a fraught relationship with firearms. During World War II, guns were only carried by those ordered to protect the royal family and the prime minister, not by those officers stationed on the streets. But later on, murders of police officers, some numbering just one, others scaling up to massacres, created ripples enough to shake the upper echelons of crime management, and the number of officers authorized to have a gun in their hands sprung up. Yet this story shares remarkable similarities to a tale that I once heard. Nothing is assured what seems to be bad may be good and what seems to be a solution may simply create another problem it is the way in that ancient story and also the way in this one that i tell you now in england the scales tipped again and public deaths grew in numbers the policemen fired their newly gained weapons today There are few in the London police force who carry guns. Most, in fact, have said that they have no wish to. In a recent survey of British officers, 82% of all who responded were against the routine arming of police. Britain, along with New Zealand and Iceland, two other countries with little of their police force carrying firearms, has one of the lowest violence rates in the world. But why? That question, I believe, can be addressed with a bit of numerical assistance. Britain ranks 82nd in the census measuring amount of guns in world countries, and New Zealand ranks 22nd. This is compared to the United States, which ranks first in the world. And so it seems that our problem has been resolved. The fewer guns there are in a country, the fewer officers need to have firearms, and violence is curbed in a simple act of numbers. Silence, it seems, is not needed in this equation. Only lack of firearms. Yet something does not quite ring true. There is another country which lacks a great amount of armed police officers and is still extraordinarily low on killings both public and police-oriented. It is Iceland. Yet Iceland is ranked 14th in the list of gun-rich countries. Our simple solution, it seems, cannot capture the situation, which has just spiraled beyond simplicity. I must turn, it seems, from numbers to words, from statistics to the minds of people. The people of Iceland are tight, close-knit, attached, However you wish to describe it, theirs is a culture which binds every citizen strongly together. Not that there are many people on that small island bravely weathering in the middle of the sea, but perhaps their lack of population adds to the community which they share. An Icelandic police officer considers every citizen precious simply because, as she says, we are so few and there is so much to do and presumably the citizens look at her through the same lens, for violence against officers is remarkably low. So perhaps our solution lies not so much in the nature of Carl Sandberg's revolver, whether it is a thing of evil or of protection. Perhaps it lies not so much in the squabbling over who has the right to bear a firearm, or who is to blame when a life is taken by the bite of a bullet. Perhaps the answer to the matter of life and death, it really is just that, no matter if you are in uniform or an ordinary civilian, if the bullet strikes right, someone is going to perish, is in the way we look and think, the titles we bear for others in our minds. If all those, officers and civilians both, who bear a hatred for those on the other side of the gun, would take a moment of quiet and truly think about the other, not as an enemy, but as a precious creature who must be preserved because there is so much to do, well, then who knows what would happen. Gun is an ugly word, and perhaps we would all be better off without it, but the assumptions and hatreds we hold in our minds are even uglier. For, after all, guns are incapable of silence, They are loud beasts who shout at every attack, but the people holding them are. And if they find the respect for others which Icelanders hold, the realization of the British that less is sometimes more, and the still, silent place which everyone has somewhere, then we may be good stewards of the power which Carl Sandburg addressed with trepidation. Questions? Comments? Concerns contact me at explore. at gmail. com and thank you for listening.